This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. Over the last uh, couple of uh, months, uh, we've been highlighting the power of the Holy Spirit And the one point I hope you've seen happen repeatedly is this, that when God sends the Holy Spirit, he does so for his glory. God sends the Holy Spirit for his glory. So if you find yourself in a situation that seems hopeless and you have the Holy Spirit, God is going to use you through that situation for his glory. Uh, I have a quote from Psalms. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. The psalmist realized the power of God, despite the situation the individual might be in, God is in control. God is all powerful. And if we have God's spirit in us, we have that ability as well to overcome situations despite how bad they may seem. Um, We've been talking uh, last couple of months, um, well, last couple of weeks from the book of Ezekiel. We we covered Isaiah over the course of, I think, probably two months, and now we're in Ezekiel. Isaiah is probably, I say, always facetiously one of the hardest books in the Bible uh, to uh, focus on, to highlight, um, to try to break down because it's not chronological. And I say probably the second hardest book is Ezekiel. But understand Ezekiel, when he starts around 500-ish BC, uh, he's about 25 years old when he gets sent into captivity. And then the year, uh, basically five years later, he he turns 30, he has this vision of God that, that runs throughout the beginning of Ezekiel. Now, he was supposed to be a priest, but, but he wasn't used by God the way he thought he would be. Instead, he was used by God as a prophet uh, in Babylon. And so while God is in, while, while the Israel people are in Babylon, um, God visits him and God reveals himself to Ezekiel while he's in Babylon. And this young man, now being 30 years old, has this revelation of God, actually his spirit, his glory, leading Israel and going to Babylon. And and the problem was there was a lot of people at that time that were confused regarding why, what just happened. Why did, uh, why did we get taken over? 
uh, why did we get captured? Why, why did we lose? Because people had this misconception during that day and time, which seems valid, that your God was the one who defended you, who protected you, who, who kept you during challenging times, that, that when, when you and your army overcame situations, it was because your God was more powerful. And so, and so Israel at that time thought that their God would maintain their quality of life. And, and, and not, not taking in mind that what happened was because of Israel's sin or idolatry, God had to use them still for his glory, but it wasn't used in the way they thought they would be used. Israel sent in captivity, and, they're, and it's done so so that it would become faithful again. And see, sometimes God disrupts us in order to instill devotion in our lives. See, Israel, when it was in a status quo, when things were going perfectly fine, they strayed away from God. So God had disrupted Israel and everything that was happening to Israel and Judah in order to get idolatry out of its heart so that it would once again seek God in true devotion. And so that, that is the background with the book of Ezekiel. They're in Babylon, they're in captivity, and, and God has disrupted their order, their understanding of how they should live so that they would be devoted again. And so, and so now we're in chapter 39. What happened in chapter 37 and 38 is these prophecies were given by Ezekiel about the future of Israel about what was going to happen. Last week, we talked about the bones and, and how God would resurrect uh, not only Israel, but it was symbolic of God resurrecting all humanity, particularly those people who remain faithful to God. And so here, now, he, he's talking about restoration. The, the, the Holy Spirit has now led Ezekiel to this point in his prophetic word to the nation of, uh, while they're in uh, captivity. He goes here and say, verse 21, it says, I will set my glory among the nation. Now, what you have to understand is God is trying to reveal himself through Israel to the nation, to the world. God is trying to reveal himself to the earth, and he uses Israel to do that. But also he used Babylon. So God used Babylon to judge the earth, all the people who are around Israel. So, so as, as the rest of the world sees Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar coming in in order to an attempt to overthrow Israel. Um, so Babylon was, was God's hammer, and people saw Babylon judging Israel. And people should come to the conclusion that, well, man, what happened? What happened to Israel? Why, why did God do this? And, and the conclusion is for most people, wow, they must have been sinning, so God judged them, because God wants Israel to be holy. And so eventually, God would bring Israel back, not by their own power, but by his power, God's power alone. And so when, when so the nations see Israel, a nation again, a country again, people would say, well, how did this happen? It was, it was God's power alone that did this, no one else. And so here we see um, in verse 21, it says, I will set my glory among the nations, all the nations shall see my judgment, which I have executed in my hand, which I have laid on them. It goes on in 20, 22 to say, so the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord their God from that day forward. So now Israel has been restored. 
Israel now is a nation again. And now he's also alluding to the coming Christ in the future. That, that, that is, that's underlining this. But understand, once Israel's a nation again, they will now be devoted to God again. They were in sin, remember, originally, and they strayed from God. God disrupted their normal way of life. And as they were sent into captivity, they became more devoted to God again, and that God sent them back to be his people again. Now look at verse 23. It says, then the Gentiles shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity. He's saying the nations will know that. Because they were unfaithful to me, therefore I hid my face from them. I gave them into the hand of their enemies, and they fell by the sword. And this is the one thing most people don't realize that whenever you see calamity happening, even though sometimes in the scripture it may seem like God is the one directly causing it, that's not necessarily the case. The case is God indirectly caused calamity for a group of people because he withdraws his protection when they are in sin. And so when a, when a people who are supposed to be faithful to God, in a sense, strays from God, God says, okay, you want your way? You have it. Do it your way and see how far you get. And then calamity befells those people, and those people hopefully do the reasonable thing, responsible thing. They cry out to God. They ask him in prayer to forgive them of their sins, and hopefully they repent and turn back to him. And verse 24 says, according to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions, I have dealt with them and hidden my face from them. Once again, the refrain, the repetition of concepts, God hid his face, God hid himself from them, meaning God is not protecting them, God is not providing for them, and these negative things are happening, and these negative things happen for a purpose. God is trying to do something in people's hearts. If God could give us money to make us faithful, he would. But, but, but that faithfulness comes from recognizing, from gratefulness, from thankfulness. So when God takes, it's almost like if somebody's in your life, right, and they're a great person, they're a good person, but you take them for granted. And it's not until they're gone do you realize the quality of person that they were, and at that point you regret how you treated them. That's exactly what's happening here with Israel and God. God withdraws his favor, his love, his protection, and they're out there on their own, and they realize, wow, it's not that we were such great, strong, mighty, wise people that we became kings from Abraham to David, from Abraham to Solomon. It's not because we were such strong people. We had such great DNA. The simple fact that we went from Abraham to nations was because of one reason alone, and that reason was God was with us. 25, it says, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, now I will bring back the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole house of Israel. And I will be jealous, excuse me, and I will be jealous for my holy name. And so now this pericope, this turning has happened. They went to Babylon. Now, now understand, this is all being prophesied before, uh, basically five years in the captivity from the first wave of of the exiles leaving uh, Jerusalem. So at this point, we're not even sure specifically if Judah has completely fallen or not. But he's prophesying about all these things in the future. He's saying, now I'll bring out the captives of Jacob and have mercy on the whole. He's saying, this is going to happen because Israel has been refined. In 26, it says, after they have borne their shame and all their unfaithfulness in which they have were unfaithful to me, when they dwelt safely in their own land, 
no one made them afraid. So he's, God is now through the prophet speaking back that when, when things were good, when you were prosperous, you had no worries. But I withdrew my protection and provision and calamity fell upon you. And as a result, now hopefully you're, you're crying out to me again. We go on to verse 27 and we're almost done with the scripture that says, when I have brought them back from the peoples and gather them out of their enemies' lands, and I am hallowed in the sight of many nations. Get this, 28. Then they shall know that I am their God, who sent them to captivity among the nations, but also brought them back into the land and left none of them captive any longer. And so this great drama is taking place in world history for everyone to see. We are still witness today as Jewish people from all over the world are going back to Jerusalem, going back to Israel. We know that that was prophesied thousands of years ago. God said that would happen as a sign to the Gentiles. Number one, that God is in control. And number two, that God does chastise the people he loves. God chastises the people he loves for the purpose of refining them so that they be faithful, so they will be more faithful to him so that he gets glory out of their lives. And here 29, it says, and I will not hide my face from them anymore, for I shall have poured out my spirit on the house of Israel, says the Lord God. And here we, we highlight because we've been talking about the Holy Spirit here. The Holy Spirit being poured out for Israel is the capstone of this entire journey they've been on. The fact that they now have the Holy Spirit, this is once again in the future, is the evidence that God will not hide his face from them. Now understand, we're just taking literary cues here. This isn't something I'm reading into the text. Look at verse 29 again. It says, I will not hide my face from them anymore. For, that word for, is a literary connective highlighting an explanation. This is why he won't hide his name from them anymore. For, I poured out my spirit on Israel, on, on it, the house of Israel, says the Lord. So the fact that this Israel has God's spirit is the evidence that he is now with them. And so that is something comforting for us, those people who consider themselves Christian, those people who are disciples of Jesus Christ have received the Holy Spirit. And as a result, God has given us his spirit, and now he is with us forevermore. This was a promise to Israel, and this is a promise for us today, that, that we have his spirit, as a result, we can rejoice. So first point, if you have God's spirit, then he is always with you. And that, that is a challenge. That's why we at this church focus on discipline. We don't believe necessarily that you need the pastor to have a relationship with God. Uh, we here believe that you need, you need God. You need God. You need to have your own relationship with God yourself. And once you know God for yourself, you don't have to worry about whether or not he is with you. He, the pastor can't control your relationship with God. That's something you and you yourself are responsible for. When you stand in front of Jesus Christ on Judgment Day, he won't necessarily pull your pastor up in front of you. He'll ask you, what did you do with his spirit? That's your responsibility. God is intimately present in your life. God is close. The word always used, particularly in the Old Testament, is yada. It's, it's a word. It's a sexual word. It's, it's, it's a vulnerable word. God has made himself completely vulnerable and completely availed himself to you. 
The Holy Spirit, we always try to say, is in you. You are God's temple. So God is closer to you than any other person has ever been in all your life. Why? Because he's in you. God is presently inside of you. His Holy Spirit is there residing in you. He knows every thought, every, every groan, every tear, every fear. He is in there inside of you, able to converse with you, understand your thoughts and your prayers, and communicate the information to the Father. He's there. And that's why, once again, the last point I'll make about this, that's why it's important for you to have your own relationship with God so that you are aware how intimately close he is with you and you can know him for yourself. So what you need to do, you need to invest in a little R&R. Yes, the coronavirus is ravaging our most people's economy and has disrupted our way of life. But as we saw in the scripture, our way of life sometimes is disrupted so that God can bring us back to devotion. The, the good thing about these sermons is, I've, as I always tell our church, I prepare these sermons two years. If, if my church were here now, they would finish my statement. I prepare these sermons two years ago. This is not a sermon I prepared today or yesterday. This is a sermon I prepared year, years ago, literally. And so the good thing is, if you're here for the first time engaging with us in this, you know for yourself that God is in control. God is a God of time. And he knew that we would be in this situation. And he knew that you would be online right now listening to this sermon. And the reason why he does those things like that is because he's trying to get us to trust him. God tells us before things happen so that when they do happen, we'll have confidence in him. If you go back to John 16, you see before Jesus makes his great prayer that happens in John 17, in John chapter 16, he tells his disciples all these negative things that are about to happen, about them being persecuted, about Jesus himself being crucified, about how they're going to be run away by people, how no one's going to receive what they say. And he says, the reason why I'm telling you this is so that when this th these things happen, you'll take confidence and you'll rest in God. You'll have peace. And so understand that God is trying to give us peace in the middle of calamity. And so the fact that God is in control of all time and knew today you would be on this, on this video and he knew that you would be listening, he, you would be on the internet, you'd be at home watching this right now. God is saying to us all, relax and rejoice. Invest in a little R&R. Because God is right there with you. So understand, God can use you for his glory in the midst of the coronavirus. You may not have the capacity in a little while to leave your house. You may be stuck at home. And understand that you can still be used by God. This thing may go away as quickly as it came. You can still be used by God. God wants to use you for his glory. So during this time of disruption, help it lead you to devotion. Push into God. Pray, seek his face. God is trying to disrupt the world from chaos and idolatry to pure devotion. Allow God to use you in bringing people to worship. Scripture makes it clear the greater is he that is in us than whatever is in the world. It doesn't matter if it's a disease or a bacteria. It doesn't matter if influenza or corona. God is greater. God, God has a plan for your life. Now, the Bible talks about salt that once is lost its saltiness, 
is good for nothing. The point is, if you're not useful for God, he cannot use you. And right now you're useful. Right now during this time, God is trying to get us to come back to him so that we could be useful for him to expand his kingdom. Now is the time for devotion. Now is the time for worship. Now, our quality of life may be disrupted, but he's still king. Devotion is still possible. Discipleship is still possible. Allow God to use you. So at this time in this uh, sermon, um, we have a, a poll that's coming up. My hope and prayers that this works. <laughs> and so if right now you could take out your cell phone, and if you, if you could text this phrase, Anthony Bass 861 to this number, 22333. So type in 22333, type that number, and send this message, Anthony Bass 861. And we have a poll question. I'm just gonna make this, I'm gonna give you a little bit, a couple of seconds to get that. Get your phones ready, pull them out. And once they're pulled out, hopefully, as you're trying to get that information, I'll go back to it one more time. Um, you're texting to this number, 22333, and your text this message, Anthony Bass. 861. There's a question there. So hopefully you can see me. My wife said the volume went down a lot. Somebody's telling me to preach <laughs> in the chat. So my hope is that um, whether this works or not, you're able to understand that um, that God is with you and he has a plan for your life. The question is again, what does it mean to you that God himself is with you? So since we're we're uh, this is the cool thing about this church, um, we can actually talk to each other, and I can interact with you. So I'll ask you this question: You don't have to worry about texting because obviously it's not working well right now. It should be live, but it's not. But I'll ask you the question: If anybody wants to respond, you could actually unmute yourself and respond. So what does it mean to you that God Himself is with you? Do you have any? Go ahead. I hear you. Security. Security. So Health. security. Somebody said again. Held. 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 Amen. Love. 
In that I have the opportunity to open my eyes every day thus far. Amen. You have the opportunity to open your eyes. You're still alive. Yep. <laughs> Confidence. Confidence. Amen. Connection. Connection. Amen. Help. Courage. Courage. Help. He's, watching. He's watching you. He's watching. Amen. So we'll work on that poll, but outside the poll, uh, I'm thankful that we were able to get together. Um, this is, uh, I'm grateful for the technology and the fact that you're all here. Uh, although I may not know everybody on here, um, this is our Endurance Church. And um, our hope for you today is to trust a couple things. And I'll, close, I'll, I'll try to conclude. One is I like the point that, I, and I said this earlier, that uh, these sermons are prepared uh, two years in advance. And to me, that means a lot, right? I mean, how, like, what are the odds that talking about Israel, captivity, and today we would all be disrupted because of the coronavirus, right? Like, to me, that gives me a lot of comfort. That lets me know that God is in control. And, and, and my hope is that if, if that has spoken into your heart, that, that you will take confidence in knowing that God, he knew this day was coming. That's not just me just saying that. That's a real thing. And since God is in control, man, you could trust him. You could trust him. Uh, you may be home for a little while, or you may be, have to go back to work. I don't know how tough your boss is. We lost you. Yeah, we didn't hear anything you said after you said if your boss let you oh, stay home. Oh. Are you there? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. I'm back. So I'll say this. Thank you all for technology. Uh, so I'll, I'll conclude this by saying this way. So thank you for participating. And my hope is that you realize that God's in control. Uh, I do believe Corona, for one way or the other, is going to pass us by. We don't know what we will look like as we know that what God's is, is that this disrupting leads to our being more devoted to Him. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. Come baptize us. Oh.